are elite. For everything you need to know about Mercedes Monet's AEW debut, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number Stores or SleepNumber.com. I wasn't sure if I wanted to, like, announce that, but they told me that you're the first Vin American female. You should probably, like, own it. What three wrestling matches would you watch if you were stranded on a desert island? This is what I'm asking wrestling's best. In the ring, around the ring, behind the scenes, or behind a microphone. I'm Tom Campbell. Thank you for joining me on Cultaholic Island for another episode of Desert Island Graps. From Los Angeles, California, she is the hell. Viva Van, how are you doing? Hi, I'm doing great. Congratulations, by the way, on graduating. Thank you very much. It's been a a long journey, but I'm glad it's over. (laughs) No more exams. (laughs) So uh, for those who don't know, you've just graduated from California State. What did you graduate in? Uh, In business marketing. How is graduation during lockdown? Non-existent. (laughs) They uh, sent me my diploma in the mail and uh, our... Our uh, ceremony has been postponed, but I don't know how long that will be. They said maybe early next year we will have a ceremony, but by then I don't know if I want one anymore. <laughs> no, because it's all in like the heat of the moment, isn't it? It's to celebrate yeah. the moment that it's done. You don't want to just have the party six months down the road. You want to have it now, yeah. don't you? Exactly. I mean, even though I do have my cap and gown ready for it, um, I guess I'll, I'll do it, but there's no set date for a ceremony and my my family and I we've already celebrated together and that's the most important part to me will they let you keep the cap and gown oh yeah because you you actually pay for it what <laughs> you can buy it yeah <laughs> it's not free <laughs> I thought you might have got that for free As a little... <laughs> no you even have to pay to graduate I had to pay to graduate <laughs> 
Surely you're. But on the plus side, uh, you, you you're now you're now a business and accounting major, so you could probably figure out how to get that money back. It wasn't that much, to be honest, and you know, it, it was no biggie. <laughs> We're sending you on a desert island, Viva Van. Ooh, I know, okay. I know, right? This is where we need one now more than ever, and we are definitely. <laughs> we are going to burn for you a DVD featuring three wrestling matches that you are happy to watch whilst you okay. are stranded on said desert island, and we're going to work our way through them uh, as the show goes on. Uh, what would you like your first wrestling match to be? My first wrestling match. Uh, Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels, Hell in a Cell, Bad Blood in 1997. Pride, confidence, extraordinary talent. They're the signature of a superstar performer. Add arrogance, conceit, self-adulation to the equation, and you've defined the very essence of Shawn Michaels. Nobody, but nobody tells me what to do. For two months, the self-proclaimed master antagonist has launched a calculated and brutal war of destruction on the phenom of the World Wrestling Federation. I made you taste your blood once. You are gonna taste it again. And like hyenas rapid from the scent of a fresh kill, his pack of allies have been quick to join the slaughter. We came, we saw, and we kicked the dead man's ass. But tonight, within the unforgiving confines of a specially constructed steel cell, the cocksure tormentor will become the tormented. Tonight, Shawn Michaels will stare into the eyes of a merciless reaper, hell-bent on revenge. There'll be no helmsman, no China, no insurance policy to save his soul. Tonight, there's no way in, no way out, no one to stop the cocksure. I remember watching this when I was little, seeing my uncles watching it, but I wasn't really uh, fully aware of who was who at that time. But now that I'm older and I watched it back, I just, I feel like this match literally had everything in one. From the entrances, their gear, like Shawn Michaels' gear was so dope. So was Undertaker's entrance. The moment he walked in, the crowd popped for him. And the in-ring psychology, there was out-of-ring psychology. You know, and this was, I think, first ever Hell in a Cell match. And um, it had blood, chair shots. You know, I remember uh, Shawn Michaels even climbing on top of the cage trying to get away from Undertaker. And then Undertaker's like, nope, I'm climbing up right after you. (laughs) So it's just uh, also the introduction to Kane in this. It just overall, everything, great storytelling, everything in one. What I love is when you find a match like that that just just captures you completely. You can hear it in your voice when you talk about this match, uh, just, yeah. <laughs> just how significant it is to you. But uh, when you first watched this, as you say, this was family members watching something you didn't understand. Can you put yourself back yeah. in that head? And, and what were your first thoughts when you saw this wrestling match going down as a non-fan? I was terrified of undertaker but i was even more terrified of kane i remember because the way he came in and he ripped that like cage door off i was like oh my gosh oh my gosh there's someone that's just as big and tall as undertaker and then he gave undertaker the tombstone and i'm like wait 
what? You know, Undertaker was terrifying back then as a kid. And then to see another another person just as tall as him, and it was probably late at night when I shouldn't have been awake too. So, <laughs> so were your family uh, wrestling fans? They weren't uh, diehard wrestling fans. I just remember my uncles and my dad would... Here and there, they will watch it once in a while. Is there stuff that you you appreciate in that match, sort of the intricacies of that match that you appreciate now as a wrestler that you didn't appreciate when you watched it for the first time? Like I mentioned, the entrances. I think the entrances are very important in every uh, wrestling match because you're you're pretty much like letting everyone know who you are right from when you step out the curtain. And I think as a wrestler now, that's very important because you need to establish who you are and let people know who you are and the psychology overall i didn't understand psychology back then you know (laughs) i just thought oh my gosh that's scary (laughs) but you were completely encapsulated by it and uh you would become a wrestling fan but it wouldn't be that particular match that sold you on wrestling would it i do i am i right in thinking that it was it was the playstation game that did that it was the PlayStation game because my dad bought that console for me. And the first game he bought for me was, at first I thought it was a WWE SmackDown game, but my dad corrected me. It was the ar- arcade game that came out in 95. Me and my dad had this conversation about which game he bought me for the first console. <laughs> Away from that game, want to get into that in a bit. Um, other video games that you played as a kid, what would they have been? Played a lot of Street Fighter. I remember playing Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat with my cousins. Pretty much a lot of fighting games. <laughs> there was something on the horizon when you realized that everything you were playing was fighting games. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you played SmackDown or the wrestling game in question, um, which character did you, which character do you default to play as? Undertaker. <laughs> obviously, obviously. He was terrifying, but I loved him. You know, <laughs> I presume by now you've watched The Last Ride. Yes, I have. Uh, how do you feel watching The Undertaker in a uh, away from that character that he has built and just being himself? Um, I think it's good to see that he's a natural human being. You know, he showed his vulnerabilities. He showed his personal life and his struggles. Like, I think the one thing that uh, stuck out to me the most is when he would talk about being nervous before a match and I remember Triple H coming up to him and he 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 pretty much like re 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 um what's what what am I trying to say he confirmed uh to Undertaker to know who you are you know know who you are you're the freaking Undertaker pretty much prep talking him before a match and I think that that's insane to see a legend like still feel that way about himself you know because I think as wrestlers, we all feel that way about ourselves before we go out. We're nervous. We don't want to mess up. We want to do the best that we can do. And that vulnerability just makes me love The Undertaker even more. Uh, when you were playing as The Undertaker, uh, mm-hmm. as in your introduction to, uh, to to that world, is there a moment when you were playing uh, or a moment that you, something that you saw that made you realize as much as I love watching this, I actually want to do this now. The game, when I was playing it, I was really young, so I didn't think of it at the time. It wasn't until like maybe a, till I was like nine or ten when I was watching SmackDown now on every it was on Thursday nights, I believe. And that was when I felt like, wow, I want to be like them. I love the way the crowd is cheering for them. I love the way 
the way the, their confidence overall it's just like that time i think it was like the attitude era that time in wrestling was so great what did your folks think when um you decided that you wanted to go into it so i hid it from my dad for a very long time <laughs> oh really <laughs> yes uh my brother ended up breaking the news to my dad two years later <laughs> i was already in in it for two years and that's when my brother like told my dad told him to not tell my dad but he said he was just so excited for me and he just couldn't hold in the news and my dad took it very well but i hid it from him because i know i can already you know traditional asian dad is always like finish school first and then you can do whatever you want but i was going through a wrestling training while i was going to college at the same time my dad's reaction was surprisingly not like i was very surprised he seemed pretty like content with it like happy with it i didn't think he would be he i thought he would freak out yell at me you know but he didn't he was like so i heard you're a wrestler now and then he's like and, uh, your brother showed me some stuff and you're actually really good <laughs> describe how that felt knowing that that secret as was that because you, you you are you close are you cl- you're close with your dad yes yeah now i am um there was a time where he wasn't in my life but like we've already you know reconciled and uh we've gotten super close over the past five years and um it's just good to have that validation from him you know and for my mom my mom when my mom has always been there for me my mom has always uh accepted every decision i've made in life and has always been my like main support system so she was very concerned about me getting hurt but she was excited for me as well when i started my journey your mom has got a really unique story and you shared this on Twitter and I wonder if you wouldn't mind sharing it with us here. Oh, I would love to share it. Yes, my mom was adopted, you know, during, I, I believe, literally around the beginning of the Vietnam War. So she was given away right after birth and she didn't really know her parents. And uh, so for years, she would always tell me about her struggles of being uh, you know, a parentless kid. And um, once like 23andMe and Ancestry DNA started becoming really popular and um, I saw there was a lot of kids from the Vietnam War era that were also looking for their parents. I'm like, mom, you're not alone. Let's give this a try. So she was always told that she was half Vietnamese and half Australian. And I was like, that's weird that they don't know anything else about your your adoptive parents don't know anything else about your real parents, but they somehow know that you're half Vietnamese and half Australian. But when we actually did the test, it came back that she's half Vietnamese and, you know, French and German, <laughs> which threw us off. But I believe that my mom lived a very, very hard life. And um, for a long time, it was just me and my mom. So I think that, I think that helped us just like, go through anything that life threw at us you know we fight for whatever we we have to to just survive we'll go back a couple of years we'll move back a touch because you've told uh, your dad now your big secret two years you've been wrestling now um talk to talk to us about how your your first your first experience was away from watching wrestling to actually being in a wrestling ring okay oh my first day training which was in 2017 uh it's a really funny story how i got into training so i've been stalking the santina bros wrestling academy page for about a year 
you know, I just never had enough money to start the training session. And I remember sometime in June, there was a beginner's course that was starting and I wanted to go so bad. I like, I think, I believed I prayed about it so many times. I'm like, I really want to go, but I don't know how I can afford to go. And honestly, a few minutes after that, I was driving when I was thinking this, someone hit my car from behind. And I was like, great, you know, I wanted something and now I have to deal with this crap. What the hell? What the hell life? And then pulled over to the side and this guy was like, you know what? I don't want any insurance involved. And I know it was my fault. Here's a thousand dollars to fix your car. And I looked at my car and I was like, you know what? This much will come right off. <laughs> so I took that money and then I just decided to start training three days after that. Do you believe that the universe has plans for us when it comes to Definitely. stuff like that? I believe that if you put anything out into the universe, you will get it back. And uh, on that day, thanks to one clumsy driver and, uh, <laughs> and a thousand dollar check, uh, you're, yeah. <laughs> you're at Santino Brothers Training School. One thing, I don't think, um, I don't think it's anything surprised me. If anything, it just, it was really hard. I remember that. It was, the training was exhausting. And the way that the, the way that they set up the training is to like weed out the people, you know, who can keep on going no matter how tired you are, you know, they want to see your, your endurance. Let's say that your endurance is like key to like getting through the whole entire class. And I just remember it being really hard. And, but when I was in there, I felt like I, I finally had a purpose in life because for a while I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And yes, I secretly wanted to be a wrestler and I was, I was scared to tell people of my dreams because I was afraid to be laughed at. And once I finally didn't care anymore and I just went for it, I just felt like, wow, this is where I was supposed to be my whole entire life. To hear what you say there, that you know, this is you—you you knew almost immediately this is where you belong. It's incredible, and we want to talk yeah. a bit more about your journey in a minute. But we have to put another match onto your DVD, Viva Van. We've got to put another yeah. match on. Yeah. So we have Shawn Michaels and Undertaker, Hell in a Cell, Bad Blood, 90, 1997. Mm -hmm. uh, what's your second one gonna be? My second one will be Bret Hart versus Stone Cold. 1996 Survivor Series. Steve Austin, notwithstanding the special stipulations that have been added to the matchup in seconds, you are going to face the legendary Bret the Hitman Hart, the excellence of execution. The winner gets a title shot. It's seconds away now. You're set to face Bret Hart. And you think that I'm supposed to be intimidated by the way you build him up and talk about stipulations, don't you? Just don't even say a word, son. Everybody talks about the best there is, the best there was, all the other crap. The excellence of execution. Brett, cliches are cliches, and an ass whipping is an ass whipping, and that's exactly what you're gonna get tonight at the hands of Stone Cold Steve Austin, and that's the bottom line. All right, thank you very much. Let's go back to Todd Pettengill. All right, Vince, thank you very much. In just seconds, one of the biggest comebacks in sports entertainment history will happen here at the world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden. You yourself, Brett, have called Stone Cold Steve Austin the best wrestler in the World Wrestling Federation today, and you face him in seconds. 
one thing that Stone Cold Steve Austin doesn't have going for him in this match is the fact that it is Madison Square Garden. And I meant it when I said it's not a church, but it's holy ground. Well, it is. I've got my fans out here, and I've got my fans all around the world, and they've been waiting for this very moment. Now, where I stand, we're all going to find out right now. But Stone Cold, remember one thing. I'm not greedy for money. I'm greedy for respect. And when this thing's all said and done, you will respect me. The excellence of execution, Brett the Hitman Hart, ready to return to Madison Square Garden. Now as a wrestler, I know promos are everything, but as a kid watching it, you know, I didn't really understand. <laughs> and uh, the psychology in it, it is great. The character work, the they're feeding off the crowd. Like there was a moment where um, I remember Stone Cold like threw Bret Hart out the ring and he just went back inside the ring and stood up at the corner of the turnbuckle and raised both of his fists up and the crowd just like cheered for him. Even though I believe like in that match, Bret Hart was way more over when he first came out, like the crowd cheered for him. The, the crowd uh, cheer was way louder for Bret Hart, but that moment Stone Cold got, you know, some crowd love also. And I remember like when he was about to superplex uh, Bret Hart, I remember he looked at the crowd. And I and now as a wrestler, I know those those moments are very important because you need to feed off your the crowd's energy. You need to know that they're in it with you, you know? And that's very important now as a worker. And uh, what else? The, the match was actually a really technical match, even to the to the pin at the very end. Cool ending, like it's different. <laughs> it just reminds me of how I felt back then when I first got into it. So I like watching that era. And I think that era was leading into the Attitude Era. Like I mentioned earlier, like I, I think that Attitude Era was freaking awesome. You've been a part of Santino Brothers training and your first wrestling match is on the horizon. Can you remember, who was your first wrestling match against? Your first proper wrestling match on a card? My first wrestling match was against Simone Cherie and Heather Monroe. How are you feeling on that night? I was nervous, so nervous. I was nervous about the way I looked because I didn't, I didn't have the right shoes for wrestling at that. Like you know, just for a, a main match, I had wrestling shoes, like training shoes, but those weren't what I wanted to wear for my match. I wanted to make sure I had my overall look down for the entrance. And I remember at the time, I was. I was nervous about that. I was nervous about, this was like a do or die moment for me because it was from this match is when I started getting booking after that. I'd like to emphasize the positive in everything. And with that match with the, and with all the nerves uh, running through you, was there a moment in that uh -huh. match, in that triple threat match where you allowed yourself to, to catch the moment and go, yep, I nailed that moment. I nailed that spot. Was there a particular moment that stands out to you as a, a shining moment for you? The moment that stood out to me the most was because I got brought out as Heather Monroe brought me out. And there was a moment where she was supposed to be supporting me, but she ended up was only looking out for herself in that match. And I think the moment where I finally was done with her shit and kicked her in, in the face. I think that was a moment where 
the crowd, like I heard the crowd's reaction. I was like, I think I did something good right there. <laughs> it's a buzz, isn't it? When that, when that crowd comes alive for you. Um, yeah, because they were in our story with us. They, they knew the story between me and Heather, the struggle between me and Heather, how I was getting brought out under her wing, but she wasn't really looking out for my best interest. You and Heather are great friends, aren't you? Yes, we are. Uh, what was your first uh, impression of Heather Monroe? Uh, my first impression of Heather was in training. Uh, our, it was our first day, and it was towards the end of the night, and she was giving... Uh, towards the end of the night, our trainers like to all give us like a little pep talk, you know, speech, just to get us to go home with a positive uh, state of mind. And I remember Heather saying that for girls, because there was barely any girls at Santino's at the time, and she was mainly speaking out to all the girls that were there, and she was saying that you're going to have to push harder than the guys. You're going to have to prove that you belong in this ring, and that don't let anyone treat you differently just because you're a girl and I think that like stuck out to me always be the first one like don't don't let your gender hold you back when I first debuted I think I've wrestled Heather the most out of everyone I haven't wrestled her in a while but we've worked together at Glam up in Oakland California uh we've worked together in Arizona we've even worked together at AAA in Mexico and having Jake Atlas in that match too helped a lot like, I had two people who I trained with that I really knew. Now, Jake Atlas is doing uh, some really great things at the moment. He's part of mm-hmm. uh, NXT. Yeah, NXT. Is there something, a, a moment that you and Jake Atlas have shared uh, that that you remember fondly? Many memories with Jake because Jake took my class under his wing when we first started. I remember Jake was there almost every day helping us, pushing us through. So I have... I have many, many great memories with him. And a lot of the things that I do in the ring is I learned a lot from him. I remember before our actual training, Jake would gather a separate, uh, he, if anyone wanted extra work or extra training, um, we can work, work out with Jake right before our main train, our main class. And I remember I would always, I, I would text Jake, Hey, let me know whenever you're in the ring. I really want to get in the ring with you, you know? Any extra time I got because Jake is so good at what he does. He's so he's such a great trainer. I just knew that like whenever there was any extra time to spend training with Jake, I wanted that. So he would always text me and I, I remember Jake would always like, I believe you. Like his encouragement, he just like, I believe you, you can do this. Like no matter how scary a move is or how how hard a move is, he always made me feel like I can do it. 
Posting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number Stores or SleepNumber.com. You are, as you say on Twitter, the first Viet-American female pro wrestler. Does that come with a lot of pressure? Um, yes. <laughs> I wasn't sure if I wanted to, like, announce that. But people in Vietnam, the wrestlers in Vietnam, they confirmed to me that there isn't any other Vietnamese wrestler out there. Not, not even in Vietnam. I, I maybe some girls are in training now, but they told me that you're the first Vietnamese American female. You should probably like own it. You are quite heavily involved in the wrestling scene in Vietnam now. What are the challenges of bringing the wrestling scene to Vietnam? One, um, uh, n- not that many people know, but Vietnam is a very poor country. So it's like the funds to get the ring. It was really hard to do because I. When I started to GoFundMe, I did have some negative comments like, oh, you know, like 4,000. Like, that's how much a basic ring is over here in the U.S. But 4,000 in Vietnamese dollars is a lot of money. And people don't understand that a lot of people don't have that kind of money. So I, I try to, like, inform people about, you know, Vietnam. And once we got the ring, it just, it took a while, but it was just, the one thing that that's hard about Vietnam is one getting the ring, introducing the sport to the country because wrestling is not a very popular sport in that country. And second of all, I know that eventually I'm going to go over there, and I don't even know if they're aware of women's wrestling. <laughs> that's another thing I would have to introduce to them. What has been the reaction to wrestling in Vietnam so far? The reaction has been. I, I believe mainly positive. It certainly seems that way online. And it's funny you mentioned there to, about the, the, the GoFundMe for the ring because uh, VPW put on a wrestling show without a ring. And it's something that here in, in, in this part of the world you you can't fathom. Like you would go, there's a wrestling show on, there'll be a ring. But it was a big thing for... A, and it shows a level of passion to to yes. to bring a product to... Uh, to to a fan base, to a new fan base, when you haven't even got a ring, but you're gonna do it anyway, and you can watch uh, videos online of of uh, VPW uh, having a show without a ring. So to see a show with a ring, it feels like you you. It's not like where you have some independent shows where oh we're gonna have fireworks for this one. It's like it's beyond that. It's like this is the the desire for having a ring. And the fact that it's there is is incredible. Um, in obviously you've met many people who do do follow your vision and, and want to see wrestling in Vietnam despite there's 
not the full fan base yet, but who has stood out to you as somebody who could, along with yourself, be a, a, an ambassador for wrestling in Vietnam? Uh, I believe Sumi Sakai. She definitely helped us. Like She sold her merch and donated money for VPW. She was one of the first ones to help me share the news to people. So I think Sumi Sakai would be very great for that. Where do you see a companies like VPW being in the next in the next five years? Oh, I see them doing great things. Uh, Southeast Asia uh, wrestling is on the rise. I mean, you got PWR in the Philippines. Look at them. They've only been around for a few years, I believe, and their their production is great now. And I I believe that VPW is right after them, right there after them. As well as uh, sending you on the island with three wrestling matches, I like to spring this on people. Uh, we're also going to ask you okay. to take with you um, a movie, an album, and a luxury item. So I like to spring it because I like to see what comes hmm. off the top of your head in terms of the first reaction for a movie that you'd love, an album that you love, something that you want to take with you as like a creature comfort, maybe. Uh, so what would you take in if if I say to you, you can take a movie with you? What would your movie be? My movie would definitely be a horror movie. <laughs> nice. I'm a sucker for horror movies, but I don't my like. It's a different thing when I say my favorite horror movie is The Exorcist, but being stuck on an island alone watching The Exorcist, I don't know if I can handle that. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I'll go with something a little less scarier than The Exorcist and go with like something like Conjuring. <laughs> nice. How long have you been a fan of horror films? Ever since I was a kid. My stepfather showed me The Exorcist when I was six years old. Amazing. And I've been watching horror movies ever since then. I would have to give it to him. He's the reason why I'm into horror movies. <laughs> what makes a good horror movie? Being terrified. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, just a, a feeling of unease. You know, like great storytelling. Like my my favorite horror movies are the ones that end when you know, like it ends, but it doesn't end in a happy way. You're just like, oh wait, there's more. <laughs> And then you leave with the thought, like, oh, what's going to happen? Is there going to be a part two? <laughs> nice. Okay. Okay. So so terrifying, anxious the whole time, and an, an, un, an unhappy conclusion, an uncertain conclusion, yeah. rather. <laughs> yeah. Recipe for disaster in the best possible way. Um, yes. An album. What about an album? My favorite album... An album that I would like to be stuck with on an island would probably be by the Death Metal Band Death, the sound, the sound of Perseverance. That album is my favorite. What is it about that album in particular? Uh, it just reminds me of the time when I first, because uh, I used to do death metal vocals for a death metal band, and it just the the lyrics in his songs, you know. Uh, I feel like I can relate, especially in Spirit Crusher and Story to Tell. Those two songs are my favorite on that album. And um, it just reminds me of a time when I first got into death metal music. And I remember practicing my vocals. Like those two songs were my warm up, warm up uh, songs. Well, I was going to ask you, because um, you, as you say, um, a former death metal vocalist, um, what is the process of warming up a death metal voice? I don't know. I just, I, <laughs> I just went with the flow. To me, it just felt like the the song uh, "Story to Tell." 
was I felt like if I didn't do that song, my vocals would sound terrible for the rest of like I felt like I had that was the one song I had to warm up to in my car before I went out and performed with my band. That, that must <laughs> be an I amazing sight at the traffic lights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. But, you know, you just have to not care. <laughs> oh, abs- oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you say you used to be um, a death metal vocalist. Is this something that's off the table for you now? I still do it from time to time on my own, but I, it's definitely, it's hard to be in a band with five different people because you have to manage everyone's time and so in the future i'd like to do projects you know but i probably don't have the time now i mean now we're in coronavirus i have all the time in the world but like when i was wrestling i didn't have the time to commit to a band but i would love to get into some projects in the future have you met many wrestlers on the on the on your journey so far that you could start a band with and if so who would they be on twitter I was tagged in a few uh, tweets with Alex Hammerstone and Mecha Wolf nice. <laughs> about starting a metal band. <laughs> so maybe them. <laughs> that sounds like a fun band. That yeah. sounds like a lively <laughs> band. Big fan of that. Um, yeah. And how about a luxury item? So something that's a creature comfort from home, something that can, you know, if you're feeling down on the island, you can look at and smile. Or it could be something functional, like a like a Game Boy or, or a handheld games console or something like that. What would you like your luxury item to be? Uh, my Nintendo Switch. <laughs> Good shout. What are we playing on the Nintendo Switch at the moment? Animal Crossing. I knew you were going to say Animal Crossing. <laughs> everybody but me is playing Animal Crossing at the moment. Oh my god! My so, favorite thing on Animal Crossing right now is uh, hybriding or gardening and uh, planting flowers and trying to create hybrids of them. <laughs> have you Have that you made any particularly right <laughs> amazing hybrids so far? I finally made a black rose. I've been trying for so long. <laughs> I figured it out. I made a black rose and then. Once I get more black roses, I can create a gold rose. <laughs> Amazing. So are you are you willing to share? Because I, I know there are people that listen to this who are who, who are listening to this podcast whilst playing Animal Crossing. Mm-hmm. I can guarantee you mm-hmm. that is a demographic. Um, are you willing to share the formula for making a black rose or is that a secret that you're taking to the grave with you? Oh, I can share. I don't know if I'm good at explaining it. But it's just, I have, okay, so it's, I think it takes five red roses to make a black rose. And the way you have to plant the red roses is that, so how do I explain it? It looks like a domino five. Do you understand what I mean? Like the circles on a domino five? You I'm with you. You have to plant those five like that, in that order, in that sequence, in order to breed a black rose. And that's the one that worked the most for me. I used to plant like, all of the red roses in a single row together and nothing was growing from that so i think like when you have to angle it for a space from each other that's how it works <laughs> but if you can't make one can they buy them off you because i know you can but you can sell stuff in animal crossing are you selling oh, if them i produce any more black roses yeah sure there you go <laughs> We are now on to your third and final match for your wrestling DVD. We've had uh, from 1997, okay. Shawn Michaels and Undertaker, Hell in a Cell, Steve Austin, Bret Hart, Survivor Series 96. Uh, what is your third and final match going to be? Third and final match. Since we mentioned earlier that during the Attitude Era, the women's 
wrestling wasn't um, that big at the time. So now that I'm older and I'm looking back, the third match that I would have on the island with me would be Manami Toyota versus Hikari in 1993。福岡が Manami Toyota is a a star match machine uh, throughout yeah. her career she was but this particular match why this one the fact that it was in 93 is shocking that that like now is barely you know being discovered by a lot of people in the US but it was very advanced for women's wrestling in 93 cuz i believe like people women's wrestling looks like that now in the u.s but this was in japan this is the 90 they were ahead of their time and also their gear their like gear and entrance is everything that that's 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 what i'll say for every match that's my favorite and the storytelling and how both of these women looked so strong they made each other look great while really giving it to each other they were really beating each other up and it was a very aggressive match. Can you remember the first time you watched uh, a, a Minami Toyota match? The first time I watched a Minami Toyota match was, I don't know how long ago, but it was definitely sometime after my training started. When you discover, because it's one of those things, and I know I was chatting, funny enough, chatting to somebody recently about this who, who only just about a month ago discovered the work of Toyota, and it's a bit like... Um, it's a bit like an addictive bag of bag of chips in the sense that they just watched like hours and hours and hours of her stuff from there. Um, mm-hmm. Is there something that that you learned from watching uh, this particular match that that she had that you maybe take with you today? I think what I would take with me from watching that match today is just the aggression, just to. Like, it didn't, yeah, they were two women, but they weren't fighting like two women. Especially if it was in 93. They were really aggressive. And I think that's something that I would take with me, that, that level of confidence that they both had in themselves. Now, um, you've only been uh, on in the wrestling world professionally since 2018, but is Japan mm-hmm. uh, on your horizon? Is it is it in your crosshairs? Definitely. I think... Uh, that is definitely a goal of mine is to be able to wrestle in Japan one day. Is there somebody uh, on that scene right now, on that circuit right now, that you're thinking, yep, I want to have a seven-star match with you tomorrow? I can't think of one right off the top of my head, but yeah. to me, whenever I get asked the question, like, who do you want to wrestle next? Honestly, my answer is everyone. Yeah. Because that's the only way you'll grow. So I don't want to, like pick a particular wrestler and just like target that person do you understand what i mean like, oh absolutely yeah yeah i just want to grow and i think the more people you work with the more you grow and the more that person grows it's all about growth if people want to find out everything about you viva van where can they go what have you got coming up i know it's a weird thing to say like what have you got coming up because we are in the middle of of basically the world being on fire so not many people have got a lot coming up but where can people go to find out everything about you 
So, uh, you can follow me on IG and Twitter at HellbentVixen. Uh, I will have some announcements coming up within a month or two. So, keep up with my social media and you'll see. <laughs> and if you can't wait that long, maybe seek out the one with the black roses on Animal Crossing. There you go. Come visit me on my island. <laughs> I mean, she won't tell you anything until the time is right, but you can yeah. admire the black roses. You can buy my black roses in the meantime. <laughs> Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 